Algar Productions. Welcome to the Post-Atomic Greatest American Hero Podcast, with your hosts, Ron Algar Watt and Matt Robotham. Covering Episode 1, UFO Encounter. Hi, friends. We're back. We're, we're here again. Yeah, we sure I'm fucking are. Trying to trying to keep some some positive some uplifting. But we're trying to energy. keep positive and uplifting and energy. I don't like a couple of weeks ago a listener said that I I seemed I personally seemed more negative to them and I was surprised by this because looking back no like the last like for instance the last three weeks of this experiment mm-hmm. I've mostly enjoyed. Yeah. Uh there are times that I don't, but I I don't think I'm more negative than than I have been. But I don't uh, think so. But uh, you know, this week. Uh, we're, we're not, we're not real happy. Not so much with the positivity. And the thing is, I know this is a beloved childhood, like, uh, favorite of many people. Apparently. Uh, it is. People my age, mm-hmm. uh, like this, I, I watched the hell out of the show when I was a kid, and I remember enjoying it, uh-huh. but I was an idiot, and you should not, like, you know, six-year-old me, his opinion is not admissible. <laughs> But uh, this this was chosen by uh, by our good dear old friend Jason Stocks, yep. who has been a, a longtime supporter of the show, mm-hmm. uh, and and he did donate to the Patreon, and uh, this is what he chose. And I just want to say, like before we really get into this, uh, Jason, I'm sure you you enjoyed this show, and I'm I'm sorry we didn't. Yeah. So if it will break your heart to hear us uh, uh, tear apart uh, this beloved favorite of yours, maybe maybe skip this one. Yeah, yeah, maybe. That's all. Just you know. We still like you. Because I thought about this. Uh-huh. He, he paid us to review this, and I thought, well, okay, do we want to... And, like, no, it would be disingenuous to pretend to like something just because someone paid us. Like, the show is to give our opinions. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, I, I just want to warn you, we really hated this. <laughs> what did you say? This is this is the least amount of fun you've had since, the, uh, since Enterprise? The, this is the worst show I've seen since, since we, wa- we stopped watching Enterprise. And that... Depending on where you measure your bar is either a very high or a very low bar. Like, I was watching it the other night, and Mal was playing video games or whatever, and she just every so often would turn around and watch me go, (sighs) Yep. No, you you, uh, uh, DM'd me, Mm -hmm. and usually when you have an opinion, you'll keep it to yourself, because, look, we talk once a week, we do a show, Mm -hmm. it can wait, like... Yeah, whatever you, whatever hot take you have can wait a couple days until when we talk. But you just had to tell me, yep. like, oh my god, this is terrible. <laughs> That's we don't we don't usually do that unless we're super super excited or really the really irritated. Because <laughs> you know we'll get to it. Yeah, we'll have sure. this whole conversation for your for your enjoyment. Mm-hmm. And honestly, sometimes I think it's better to get sort of the the first reactions from each other. Oh yeah. Instead of going and knowing exactly what you're going to think, but in this case. I'm I'm glad because I, I mean, did it first, and I'm like, oh god, detected this pretty well. Yeah, but I don't know. I was worried because I did not enjoy the experience, and I was really concerned. Sometimes that happens, and you just love it. Uh huh. And it's happened the other way around occasionally, sure. but like, you know, for instance, hilarious House of Frightenstein because it is a sentimental favorite. Mm-hmm. You enjoyed the experience. I did not. On the other hand, yeah. But this, uh, like I say, uh, sentiment was not enough. No, no. Well, so I have no uh, nostalgia for this show. I never saw it growing up. See, so many things 
I grew up watching. You also grew up watching because Canada got the reruns several years later. Yep, that's usually how. Well, like this was definitely around. It would be on like on like you know a Saturday afternoon or whatever. Yeah, and like theory, like in theory, I would watch this show because it's clearly a superhero show. There's a guy running around in a superhero costume. Yeah, and there weren't a lot of superhero television shows at this at this stage of like television. But like the thing is. Even as a six-year-old who had nothing to, on TV to watch, this looked so boring. Yeah, why don't why don't I read a book instead? Uh huh. Like or literally anything else. I have superhero action figures. I could probably make at least slightly better show. Yeah, you must have a comic or two by this point in your life. If nothing else, I can I can have the Justice League meet the Ghostbusters again, which is my absolute favorite thing to do. <laughs> that that surprises me not at all. Well, why don't, why don't we get into it? Why don't we crack into this? Uh, this is the pilot episode. So it was really two episodes, but uh, it was originally made as like a TV movie. Mm-hmm. And I believe the title is UFO Encounter. I may have that wrong, but that's I'm pretty I'm sure that's right what I'm looking at right now. Yeah. Although I realize so, uh, you put that there, so. Yeah, and I'm, I'm 95% sure that's correct. So why don't you, why don't you tell us what happens? <clears throat> Look at what's happened to me. I can't believe it myself. Watching a shitty 80s show, I wish it was somebody else. Believe it or not, this show really sucks. I never thought it would fucking end. Watching this shit for an hour and a half, who could it be? I'm begging you fucking shoot me. (laughs) The post-atomic horror is filmed before a live studio audience. Oh, that's okay. not even your summary yet, but I just I wanted to just oh very good very Thank good. You. Okay, so after watching some poor black dude get murdered by what are clearly white supremacists in an incredibly slow traditionally seventies dune buggy chase, we are introduced to our star, Ralph Hinckley, a gangly school teacher with a white guy afro of almost robothamian proportions. He's teaching the special ed class at Whitney High School, which basically means he stands around in a suit while irritating teenagers to. Pr- th- Excuse me. While irritating teenagers prove that they've seen more episodes of Welcome Back Cotter than I have. Attempting to win their favor, Ralph takes them on a field trip to the desert for about 18 hours. Along the way, they stop at a diner so that Robert Culp from Everybody Loves Raymond can bring a, can bring a gun to Vinnie Barbarino's knife fight. And then there's more driving around in the desert. At about 3 a.m., Ralph's van breaks down and he goes looking for gas, which is going to be a problem what with it being the 80s and all. Instead, Robert Culp runs him over with his car, but not enough to do any damage and end this fucking turd blossom. Then aliens show up, the poor black guy appears, and gifts Ralph with a magical superhero suit. Ralph, you'll use this suit to help people. And Robert Culp, you'll help Ralph with the powers of homophobia and misogyny. Then he flies away to go with pester E.T. Robert Culp drives away, and Ralph remembers he has a van load of kids he's on, he's on a field trip for going on eight weeks now. So he heads back, drops the suit's instruction manual like the big fucking chump that he absolutely is, gets hit on by a high schooler, gross, and then goes home to flirt with his lawyer. Next morning, we meet Ralph's son, Kevin, whom he is in a bitter custody battle over with his supermodel ex-wife. They make a big deal out of her being a supermodel, and look, I'm not going to judge who somebody finds attractive, but Ralph looks like an old toothbrush and he has the personality of a rake that nobody liked very much. So I'm really confused about how any of this actually happened. Maybe he has a rich inner beauty or a really nice eighties couch. No time for Kevin though, as Ralph has to try on his super suit, and realize that he looks like a goon. 
Then his lawyer Pam calls again to remind them that they, he is definitely has to go to the custody trial today if he wants to keep seeing his son, and that is very important, and in no way should he waste his time getting into an actual fucking boxing match with John Travolta to prove his dominance over a 16-year-old. So after that absolutely happens, Ralph realizes that he's late. His car gets stuck in traffic, he panics, and decides to fly to court in his new super suit. Something that he has no proof he can actually do, but it has a fucking cape, which if you're a six-year-old moron like me, or a 20-something-year-old moron like Ralph, means that you can fly. Then he gets changed in, a, in the gas station bathroom, terrifies some dude who has apparently never seen a superhero costume before, and then flies into a sign which where he is promptly arrested for being crazy? I guess, because only a crazy person would wear a superhero suit. You guys know Superman just happened, right? Anyway, so he gets committed. Pam shows up to go, Ralph, you're fucking crazy, about 80 times. And then they drive past some mansion, or possibly the suit guides Ralph there. And it turns out that the white supremacist army are holed up there along with the now-captured Robert Culp. Also, it turns out that the white supremacist army works for the vice president. Ha <laughs> ha! Oh, those backwards 80s. Now the white supremacists just work directly for the president to save time. Anyway, Ralph saves Robert Culp. Everybody argues a whole lot, and Pam still thinks Ralph is crazy. In an effort to prove that he does have superpowers, Ralph lifts his Volkswagen bug, which, let's be real, I could fucking do. Then they argue some more because we have to fill an hour and a half of this fucking thing. So after some more racism from Robert Culp, Ralph and company are kidnapped by the white supremacists again, for some reason. Fortunately, Ralph is wearing the costume under his ugly 80s clothes, so he beats the shit out of some skinheads, which is probably the only good thing about this episode. Eventually, Ralph proves himself to be a bad enough dude to save the president, and then flies away with his theme song, the only good music on the entire soundtrack. Later, Ralph, Pam, and Robert Culp show up to pat each other on the back and talk about how great superheroing is going to be. They eventually decide not to bomb the Russians. Like, that actually happens. Then the aliens show up again to really stretch out the last five minutes, and also not give Ralph a new instruction manual, because fuck him. I agree, I agree, aliens. Fuck him. Fuck him indeed. God fuck him, everyone. <laughs> that's one of the better summaries you've done and I'm not even counting the song as part of that the song completely pushes it over I finished watching this and I was so angry <laughs> just like okay. there, here's, here's a few things though first of all y you were under the impression that this was from the 70s which is a valid impression mm -hmm. because it looks like it it's, it looks so 70s it's very early 80s like you're, you're real close and like, I, I could hardly fault you for not knowing the difference between 1979 and 1981 yeah. no it's like, like it's one of those things where it's so early it's so early 80s that it's still the 70s yeah but in my head like because it started then and it ran through a bunch of the 80s mm. this is a very 80s show to sure. me but I, I totally get why you have that impression oh, God. Uh, first of all I want to call uh, another, another thing I want to call special attention to your use of the word chump very very good there top marks uh, and also uh, at least one friend of ours, who you can probably figure out very easily, mm. found Ralph attractive back in the day. Oh, dear. Uh, and I think we many people did. I think that, that sort of curly-haired dude was like, I think you, your type, mm -hmm. uh, did pretty well back then. <sighs> Wrong I don't know. I, I, didn't, I didn't have a problem with him. Ugh. Like, he, he wasn't great but i didn't hate him like you clearly did oh he's the worst shut up okay. i would say many times i mean i was saying that to the show <laughs> just just stop just you have nothing to say stop shut it. up you crowd of idiots so ostensibly the show's supposed to be like an action comedy uh-huh it's supposed to be like uh like a whole genre that exists now like the tick show yeah or deadpool mm -hmm. or you know like there's there's 
several examples of this working now. Mm-hmm. But okay, first of all, the 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 attempted comedy I didn't find funny, but apart from that, it isn't structured like a comedy. Like the only joke is he doesn't know how to use his suit, that, which is that, potentially funny. Yeah, that that's the thing is that like the show's only joke is him crashing into things, which he does all the time. It's just, there's, there's, I'm learning to fly. Crash. I'm going to try and get other over jokes. this fence. Crash. There's other jokes about him trying to use the other powers and doing equally badly. And honestly, as you mentioned in your summary, this is only three years after uh, the first Superman movie, like mm-hmm. Christopher Reeve, which everyone was inundated by the ad campaign for that. You'll believe a man can fly. And I think this is a funny take on that. I, I legit do. Like, you'll believe if a man had the power to fly, he would do it really poorly is pretty funny if in the right hands i but could definitely see this show having the tagline you'll believe a man can crash yeah but and and this is my good thing it's a cool premise for a show the idea of someone getting superman level powers mm-hmm. and fucking it all up mm-hmm. is could be funny but these are not the right hands this is just the, the writers are bad the cast is bad everything like it is a perfect storm of crap i see i didn't have a problem with the cast i had a problem with their characters mm-hmm. But the actors, for the most part, were pretty standard issue early, late seventies, early eighties, like TV actors. Sure, to me. they weren't, they weren't particularly bad. They weren't good, mm. but I don't think they were any worse than anybody else. Ugh. I mean, you you clearly had a problem. I mean, Robert Culp's character was the fucking worst. Oh my god, the, just he just showed up every five minutes to be all like, you know what really sucks? Everybody. And he's like, "You're a lawyer, but you're a pretty woman." I am shocked. Like, You're not wor- some kind of feminist, are you? I'm like, shocked ugh. the word toots didn't appear in this episode at any point. Now, here's the fucked up thing. Mm-hmm. Robert Culp, the actor, mm-hmm. uh, his first, I believe his first well-known role, if not one of his most well-known roles, uh, was a co-star uh, in a show called I Spy with someone who actually turned out to be a much worse monster. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Bill Cosby. Yeah, no, so, I'm aware of that show. But Robert Culp is, like, the better of the two is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Who would have thought? Well, I mean. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Every now and then it's like, oh, this guy's terrible. Oh, but he's the good one. Yeah, right. Oof. No, he just, they, they wrote him as like this sort of, and if they dialed it up a little more so it was clear he was supposed to be funny, that mm. could have worked. No, like he could have been. Go ahead. He, he just felt like a standard racist asshole. Like. I didn't get a lot of racism. I got a lot of misogyny and I got a lot of homophobia and mm-hmm. I got a whole lot of uh, anti-communist pro-America. Yep. Also, he pulls Was... a gun on a 16-year-old in the first act, so that's yeah. not great. Also that. But but let's let's get back to Ralph because this is your bad thing. Yeah, so Ralph sucks. Like, he sucks like a vacuum cleaner. Like, <laughs> he's supposed to be the likable teacher who's helping the kids, but he drops the instruction manual, which makes him look stupid. He's late for his kid's custody trial, a plot point which never comes up again. Like, his kid just fucking disappears from the show because he's too busy beating up a different kid. Like, he's fucking unlikable. And also, he dropped the instructions? Like, they weren't stolen or anything. They just fell out of his hands. That's bad writing. Mm-hmm. It's also, it's also the premise of at least one other... Like, remember uh, when we did one of our crossovers and I picked the uh, time travel show mm-hmm. Voyagers, exclamation point. Uh, the, the concept of that show also was they had a time travel device and he lost the instructions. <sighs> like, And that was made in this same era. And it feels like that can't be the only two. Yeah. If, if I know two, 
like you don't have one cockroach there must be so many other shows with this idea you know it just like like i went into this knowing it's like oh yeah he's the superhero guy that lost the instructions to the suit that's fine Mm -hmm. but like the scene is he's walking home and this the instruction manual literally falls out of the box that he's carrying it in and -hmm. he just walk keep like keeps walking and it's so dumb it just makes him look so fucking dumb no what what I would have done is say have him be in a, his first awkward superhero fight and it gets wrecked. Yeah, that's good. Or any or literally like anything. Literally else. anything. <laughs> yeah. But no, he lost it in the desert and they never have time to go back and look for it. Yeah, and uh, okay, so let's talk about yeah, he does fight a kid. Mm-hmm. And this sort of ties into my bad thing. This whole thing's kind of like a fever dream and not the good kind. Like I've described Shows that I like like that, like, mm. for instance, G.I. Joe, where everything's just sort of nuts and you don't know why anyone's doing anything, but it's kind of a bonkers thing and you just go along for the ride. This is not the good kind like you like. No, this like, is just like, what the fuck? Did I miss something? Because if I missed something, I might have to go back and watch this some more. There were definitely times where I was like, how, like, I mean, I'm paying more attention than I want to and I still don't follow mm-hmm. what's happening. Like. It, it felt at least like two different shows because you had the, the domestic and I know what they were trying to do. They're trying to do the Clark Kent and Superman thing. He's uh-huh. got his home life and he's got his his action life. And I get that. Mm. But you're right. His kid disappears and what he does with these these troubled kids. And I'm so glad you've seen Welcome Back, Cotter, because I had so many sweat hog references. I'm like, Matt's not going to get well, this. Well, that's the thing. I actually have never seen Welcome Back, Cotter. I picked like everything up from like... Uh, uh, yeah, The Simpsons is referenced yeah. it, and MST3K is referenced Like Everything else is referenced it because yeah. it was a big sitcom in the day. Mm. And it was this. It was these, these TV's idea of troubled teens, mm-hmm. which is 30-year-olds wearing vests and saying, hey, forget about it. Like, ugh, okay. Up your nose with a rubber hose. That's one, Yeah, right? I'm very surprised. Yeah, that is one. I'm very surprised none of these guys said anything like that. Uh-huh. Uh, but, like, well, that's the, the thing. Two... Like, they're doing the whole, like, Welcome Back Cotter thing, but they're also trying to, they're also trying to make it like, yeah, but these kids have real issues. Well, that's, that's what that show was supposed, like, when it got serious, mm-hmm. it was like, this guy grew up in this tough neighborhood and he came back. That's why they were welcoming him back. Mm-hmm. And he'll, he'll be the one to get through to these kids. And I, I get that. I get that as a thing. Oh, that's like, why he's being welcomed back. Okay. Yeah, because he went to that school. All right. Yeah, he was a sweat hog. Oh, that's all coming together now. Yeah. Now we just need to know why someone thinks this guy is the greatest American hero. Uh, yeah, that... <laughs> greatest might be overta- overstating it a little bit. Look, uh, I American, was alive... certainly. And he did I was save alive... the president, so... I was alive and conscious in... 1981, I was aware of heroes, and I'm positive they were greater American heroes than this American hero. I mean, this, uh, this, this, show, uh, this show actually shows Superman, so clearly there's at least one more greatest American hero. I was, like, I w- it was kind of cool the first time they did that. It was like, oh, okay, they're at least acknowledging that fictional superheroes exist, mm-hmm. and then they did it about 20 more times. Yep. I was like, well, never mind. But, but anyway, the tone of, like, like I get, again, I get it. I get, like... Your standard superhero story is balancing, you know, it's work-life balance. Mm. It's Can Peter Parker get through college and save his sickly aunt while also fighting, you know, the lizard or whatever? And, like, I get it. But these two things did not fit together at all, and it didn't make sense. Like like you said, the, the, the field trip to the desert, they were there. First of all, he's just allowed to take these kids to the desert in the school's van. Yep. 
The and school's then, van, by the way. And then stay there until night? Yeah, and, like, they never say what they're doing in the desert. Like, Well, he, he said something like uh, uh, geological something. Like, it was like one line. You might have yeah. missed it. But that's it. And what kind of a teacher is he? I thought he was supposed to be an English teacher. Yeah, right? Like, I... Uh... It, it honestly, the whole thing feels like an just all-purpose teacher, you know, like yeah, like a scientist, an all-purpose scientist. Yeah, exactly. But like, you know, it's high school; we don't have those anymore. Yeah. Well, did we? Like, I don't. For special ed, they might. Mm. Like for for special needs kids. See, when I say special ed, I mean I mean special needs. I mean kids with learning disorders and such. Like mm. like that need special attention. When, when they say special ed, they just mean like disciplinary problems which yeah it's like it's like maybe like the same thing for for teenage like juvie yeah, for the, teenagers good one robotham no like it feels no. like juvie in the school basically I, but there's definitely some overlap there there's definitely some of these kids have learning disorders sure. or whatever and and they're acting out or they have bad home lives and they they struggle in school and you know whatever like mm. and they will definitely do like touching very special episodes where he tries to get them all to like pass the SAT, not pass, you know, but do well on the SATs or whatever. Sure. But, like, or, you know, graduate high school in a couple of years. Mm. But uh, for now, also, there's one that I guess has a crush on him, or he has a crush on her. I wasn't clear on that. Oh, man. The whole Rhonda stuff was so upsetting. Yeah. It's just this girl in the class, and everyone just calls her a tramp all the time. It's horrible. I mean, that's, that's, that's like real life, but it's a little too like, like, for all the fantasy elements and all the TV shortcuts, it's a mm. weird thing to do exactly like what life is like, you know, like yeah. this one thing. And then she like starts hitting on Ralph and it, that's really upsetting. And he's yeah. like, your teacher. And then she starts freaking out and like, that's upset. The whole thing is just really. Ugh. I mean, at least at least that was his reaction. And then later on, there's like graffiti in the men's room that's like, hey, go fuck Rhonda. Yeah. It's like, oh, stop it. Yeah. No, I mean, and again, I get it. But. The, the show it doesn't fit the tone which is what i'm saying yeah like at all but then so the one is like i'll beat you up and he's like no i'll beat you up after school we'll go box like what are you doing this is yeah, a child right? you're gonna go punch a child now this i was thinking about this this might have been a thing because this is all there's this also happens in an issue of like an old ass issue of spider-man i read it was probably in like a good movie where like like Two people have like a gr- a grudge, so like the mm-hmm. gym coach shows up to have them box each other. No, when when it's Archie and Reggie, I've seen that. Mm-hmm. But when it's a teacher and a student, that's a little different. Yeah, like, and it's it's just like I'm gonna get I'm gonna have dominance over these kids by taking down the alpha male. What? What do you? That's not. And then what? And then he'll respect me because I punched him in the face a bunch. Yeah, but even if that works, then he's not going to start reading Great Expectations because you punched him in the face. I know. Like, it's not very good. Well, no. But I'm trying to, like, I'm trying to correct for it. I'm trying to say, okay, by by the standards of the time, and I still, it's very hard to find much of anything. Just like, what are you doing? What is your plan here? I, all of that said, I didn't completely hate him. I know you did, and that's mm-hmm. that's that's totally fair. I didn't completely hate him. Like he he was incredulous that he had this suit, but he also didn't spend the whole story saying, "Well, obviously it doesn't do anything." Like, well, I appreciate that. I hate that shit. Yeah, he's pretty quickly just gets out there and starts fucking around, and and I like him, like you said, like a kid. Well, it's got a cape, so obviously I can fly. Mm-hmm. But I kind of like, I don't know, I like. 
with a couple of more drafts or just give it to another writer altogether, mm. like there's something there. Just the guy who doesn't really want it, but has to do it. And also they didn't make it clear why he had to do it. Some aliens just decided, I don't know, you're our guy. Yep. Like, why? Cool, he's I here. guess. I don't know. That's weird. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't know. There's something there. But like if they if someone did a reboot of this, it could be interesting. I remember there was talk about doing a reboot of this with Mindy Kaling, which probably would have been pretty good. Oh yeah. Cause she's she's got that kind of like I mean, I only know her character from the office. Sure. But just that sort of slacker, like, I don't want this. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want these powers. <laughs> I'm just picturing Kelly from the office getting superpowers. It's like, what am I supposed to do with this? Ugh, you take it, nerd. <laughs> Gross. Yeah. Uh, what was your good thing? Yeah, the um the theme song still really uh is still really good. Um it's probably why this is the only thing anybody remembers about this fucking show. So here's the thing. Mm-hmm. And I swear, I swear, I am not doing a bit. This is real. When I heard the song at the end, when the credits came up and the, the proper the whole song started playing. Uh-huh. I got this feeling, and again, this sounds like a goof. It sounds like I'm making a joke, but it's not. It is it is genuine, dead-on real. I felt this feeling of shame, this, like, <laughs> deep embarrassment. I know, it's funny. Like, go ahead and laugh. It is funny, but I'm not making it up. Like, like you know that feeling where you just, like, you start blushing from your neck up, uh-huh. and you're just like, oh, my God, I hope nobody sees this. <laughs> But I don't know where it came from. That's like amazing. I seriously, it triggered this horrible feeling in me. Like, and and I don't think it would do it again. I think it was uh, the first because it's the first time I heard it in thirty years or whatever. And all I can figure because I've been thinking about it for days, what would make me feel like that? There's not a feeling I get very often. Sure, I mu- there must have been something when I was a kid and I like this song came on and I don't know like. Like, naked six-year-old me put on a blanket and nothing else and just, like, flew around the house and someone laughed at me or something? Sure. That's all I can figure, because, like, why would it make me feel... But it, it made me feel like, oh, God. I I, I just want to bury my head and die right oh now. Oh, God. Yeah, and putting all that aside, mm-hmm. it is a catchy song. Oh, totally. There's a reason that uh, George Costanza used it as his answering machine message. I kept my notes kept popping up as I go along, just like believe it or not, still mm-hmm. watching the show. I wish that it that like that's where the fucking song came from at the beginning of my summary because well, I don't wrote like five of these things. No, it's a it's a you know super catchy song, and yeah, it's it, it was also a pop hit. Like mm-hmm. if the show hadn't existed and the song just was the only thing, that would have been you know you don't need the show is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. It did fine as a single on its own without the show. <sighs> yeah, I, I seriously that was that is that is a real emotional that's, reaction that I had. That's weird, I, man. I do not know where it came from, but I don't ever want to hear that song again. <laughs> like the real one, not your uh, version. Your version's fine, or like Homestar Runner singing it on Halloween was fine. Believe it or not, it's the cheese. I'm walking a wild. <laughs> yeah, very good. Uh, what else? Okay, so also, also, I have another bad thing. Oh, you have like seven bad things. Uh huh. So I fucking hate any time a character in a show with supernatural elements gets committed because he's crazy. Mm-hmm. Like, this apparently happened all the time in, like, the 70s and 80s. Like, I remember so many, like, like shows where it's like, oh, no, dad's ghost dad now, and 
He's going to get committed, and his kids are going to get taken away. Oh, no. Someone got the power to jump really high. Obviously, he's crazy, and he's going to get committed. It happened all the time. It's Okay, so this is actually kind of a serious thing for a sec. Um, When I was... uh... I was working on my my goofy ass soap opera, and I was doing a bunch of research. Like mm. uh, the book Peyton Place came out in the fifties, and it was super scandalous. It was like you know, it was the first like good example of like small town with a bunch of secrets. And uh-huh. like later on, like Twin Peaks did it well, and a bunch of horror movies did it well. But like sure. you know, was, back in the day, it was like ooh, there's like there's like uh, under the veneer, there's like some some fucked up things happening here. And I, I read this really interesting book about it that talked about the concept of normal and this sounds so teenager but seriously the 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 societal idea that there is a normal and that you have to be it Mm -hmm. and like if you're not you should be shunned was a big like it's it's a it's a social construct obviously it's a thing we made up Mm -hmm. but like it's a thing that was really like sort of post-war like like into the 50s and into the 60s like very much hammered into every part of culture like sure you have to be like this and if you're not you should feel bad mm. and so i think that's part of it like he's wearing these tights and and obviously there's something wrong with him right because who wears tights well like there's a there's a scene where like he's changing in the bathroom and then this guy and his kid come in and the guy's just like oh my god well and, and the implication is that he's a pervert but yeah but, like, it's not like he's wearing a fucking gimp suit or something. He's in a superhero costume. Yeah, he's wearing, like, I mean, Jazzercise was about to be a thing. Like, you know, like, uh, spandex was pretty prevalent in, later in the 80s. Like, he's just a little ahead of his time. Yeah, I'm just, like, I keep watching these scenes and I'm like, just tell him you're on your way to a kid's birthday party or something. But like, there's, there, it's, okay, there's, like, the idea of normal and, and shunning people. But then we're, like... 30 years after that, mm. it, it becomes sort of a pop culture cliche. It becomes, sure. okay, I need another beat in my story or I need another obstacle. Well, what if people think he's a weirdo for wearing this suit? Gold! And it's it's such a lazy thing. It, but it, it's, it, it literally is, I gotta fill, I gotta fill the third act. Yeah. And it's it's one more thing for your character to overcome because nobody believes him because he doesn't fit in. <sighs> okay. It, that can be done well. Like, the show that I've been raving about all year, mm-hmm. Doom Patrol yep. is all about that. That's what it's about. It's mm-hmm. about these outcasts who don't even fit in as superheroes. And there's literally the Bureau of Normalcy going around. This is from the Grant Morrison comics. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, going around and and stopping anything that's not normal. And and it's it's you know like this concept can be done well, but here it's just oh he must be some kind of a eh, you know those kind of people because uh-huh. uh, he's wearing tights. Ugh. Okay. Okay, whatever. Just just terrible. I hate this crap so much. And the thing with his girlfriend, like, he oh, could have... that eh, made me crazy. She didn't believe him. And I'm like, okay, so show her you're bad flying right now. Yeah. And he wouldn't. Uh, or, like, lift the car. Like, why did you wait until the end to do this? There's a scene where he, bra- like, where he breaks into the, the, the compound to save uh, Robert mm-hmm. Culp. And... Like he at the like he jumps out like he uses his powers to fly to fly Robert Culp over the big chain link or the big spiked fence, mm-hmm. and she's fucking got her back turned for that five seconds, and I was so angry. Oh, so many, especially superhero things mm-hmm. like rested on like they're they're uh, you remember like um I mean comics did this too, 
Mm-hmm. But even like Batman 66 and like, you know, superhero stuff always relied on just, oh, good thing they didn't see me. Good thing they hit their head and forgot who I was. Yeah, I hated that shit back then, too. It's why I like comics now where almost nobody has a secret identity because it just doesn't matter. No, and, and Bendis was one of the first people who was like, mm-hmm. this concept is insane in, in now times. One of my favorite things about Ultimate Spider-Man was just how many people knew he was Spider-Man. Well, yeah, like, the internet exists and everyone's got, like, cameras now. Like, yeah. you're not going to keep a secret like that. You're just yeah. not. Yeah. But, yeah, it's it's it was baffling to me that they wanted her to not know for most of the story. Also, why keep it from your kid? Yeah, exactly, right? Who like Who you're trying to convince, like, you want to stay with me and not mommy, right? Well, mm-hmm. look, look well, your dad's a superhero. Well, mom's a supermodel. What's the well, difference? Well, I don't know. That's a good point. I've never understood the difference between models and supermodels, but that that's right. on me. I should I, th- I should do the research there. That was the thing that surprised me. Actually, you can see this in my notes. Um, when he's like, when he gets back to the house and his kids there, and I'm like, oh well, clearly the the mom is dead. It would be really cool if like they were divorced and the show dealt with that. And then mm-hmm. it turned out that was what happened. So good well, for yeah, you, was, I guess. There's there's things that like. You like I because I remember kind of the way TV was from back then. I could definitely see glimmers of like, oh, we're allowed to talk about this now. Well, broken mm-hmm. homes are a thing. Okay, yep. every show had like a a single dad or a single mom or you know the kid with divorced parents or whatever. And like mm-hmm. it it was probably a cliche by this point. Honestly, oh, I'm sure it was. And I mean, it doesn't matter. That entire plotline vanishes about ten seconds later. No, they wanted to give him some some extra hurdles like in his personal life because the kids, I guess, weren't enough. Mm-hmm. But they were nothing, and yeah. maybe they were setting things up for the series, but I, who knows? That's the other thing. It's a very busy show. Like, I don't care about any of the things that it's busy with. No, that was like the length going on. That was like the length of a discovery summary. That was that was a that was a lot of stuff you said because uh-huh. a lot of things happened. Yeah, yeah. No, it's 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 baffling. This whole thing is baffling. Also, I there's a bit where you, you talked about the politicians. Um, did you notice who the vice president was? No, I did not. Uh, he was one of George Costanza's bosses. No, oh, of course he was. Which is great. Uh, and I love in in old bad fiction when a fictional politician says, I bought this election and now I will do anything I want. Like, they just say it out loud. Uh-huh. And uh, now that I think of it, there's probably people now in the White House that, that actually that's say literally, that. So, yeah, Al, that's literally happening right this second. I guess that's true. They're actually just saying it out loud. Mm-hmm. So, But you, you, back then, it was like, come on. Nixon spent the whole time trying to cover this shit up. You don't just say that. Sitting around in a circle repeating, we bought this election and soon. <laughs> they don't have a sinister I am plan. going to idiots. crush Superman. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like doing an impression of him on the show. Oh, uh, God, I feel gross. Yeah. I'm sorry, everybody. There was a point where, uh, so, you know, I've mentioned this probably before. I've been on this old movie kick for a while. I watched a lot of stuff from, like, the 30s and 40s. This is just sure. some, something I'm into. Uh, and Amanda is as well. It's a nice sort of, like, shared thing we have. Yeah. And um, uh, at one point, someone mentions Cary Grant, and I just, oh, man, I could be watching something with Cary Grant in it right now. Thanks for yep. that. Yeah. That made me angrier than most anything else because it was like a, an actual reminder of something I'd rather be, like a specific thing I'd rather be doing. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'd rather be doing Cary Grant. I mean, yes. Um, I had the same reaction when they were watching, uh, when he was watching Super Friends. I'm like, well, I mean, that's not much better. At least it's short. They chose a particularly bad episode of Super Friends, which actually kind of made me laugh. <laughs> the, 
The, we've got to stop these mind control crazed women. <laughs> it's very good. Nice work, guys. Uh huh. Uh, what else? Well, let's have a look at the long, long, long list of notes. Yeah, my my notes are mostly just, you know. Oh, the soundtrack on this show. They, I was surprised they used like I don't know if they were popular songs, but they weren't score. Like they were, they were pop. Yeah, they used like songs. four real like like yeah. set like. And look, I'm a fan of mellow '70s music. I'm yeah. a fa- like I'm a fan of real bad '70s music. I was literally yesterday talking about uh, Alone Again naturally on Twitter. Oh boy. Um, but these were even for me. These are trash. I didn't mind them. I mean, I didn't like them, but they felt just like okay, this is actually a step up from what I expect from a show in the '80s. They have like the one title song. I'm surprised they sprang for other songs. <laughs> like it just surprised. Like a show usually would have one, you know, like title song, and then a bunch of really shitty incidental music. And I don't know. I, I thought it was okay. Uh, Let's see. A lot more speaking, of, speaking of sound, they uh, the sound that they use when he takes off and lands, and when he's actually <sighs> flying, this sort of a yeah, like a wind sound, uh-huh. is the same sound they use for George Reeves Superman in the fifties Superman show. Oh. And like, my ears were just like, oh, hey, someone's flying right now. Mm-hmm. What that means? Yep. So that was that was not like it's cool that the Superman references weren't just like it's on the TV. Like they they actually like oh no he's like Superman I, apparently. Either they got the rights or WB wasn't as litigious back then. But well, there's actually, there's even a point when he's in the uh, the asylum. Like there's some dude there's some duty walk past who goes, "Damn, Jim, that's a bad outfit." Oh, did he? That's, yeah, that's not bad. See, that's the kind of reference I like. Whereas mm. just overtly saying, "You, my girlfriend, are like Lois Lane," like yep. seventeen times. That was terrible. I mean, like I didn't like. They don't need to call it out. She was clearly dressed like Lois Lane. Mm-hmm. Like seventies Lois Lane. Yep. Yeah, Margot Kidder. Yeah. Whom <laughs> I'm sure I've told this story before. I saw accosted by someone with a screenplay. Oh dear. At a uh, she was trying to leave a convention. <laughs> Miss Kidder, Miss Kidder, wait! Like, oh, it was bad. She didn't have any security with her or anything. It was a smallish con. She was just trying to leave. Oh, that's horrible. Yeah, it was. It was not great. <laughs> I was I like think helpless. My mom bo- said she went to high school with her. Oh yeah. Or college, one of the two. Well, that's cool. Is she Canadian? Yeah. Is Margot Kidder Canadian? I'm not sure. Huh. I don't care that much. I'm just... Yeah, right? Thinking of when, like, a circumstance where your mom would have, like, traveled in the same circles. Mm-hmm. Huh. All right. Anything else? Yeah, there's a black-white There's a black white supremacist in this. Well, what the hell? I don't think these guys were actually white supremacists. I think they read that way to us because they were bald white dudes chasing a black dude. Wearing white T-shirts, holding assault rifles. Yeah, like, that looks pretty white supremacist. It does, to me. but I don't think TV in the eighties, like in in nineteen eighty one, would have directly addressed that. I think they would have been too cowardly to say this is a thing that exists. It just like it was just weird to me. Like the entire episode, I'm just like, yeah, white supremacist. I get it, man. Yeah. Like, and they're called like the the like the sword of Christianity. Or no, and they talk about Jesus. Like, like it. Maybe they were supposed to be that, but I can't imagine TV from back then just saying, yeah, these guys are basically the clan. Mm-hmm. But uh, maybe they were like it felt like, like it. Like, they never said it, but like it, they felt it felt like they were really, really hinting at it. And then like right at the end, there's just a black guy there, and I was like, "What the fuck?" Yeah, I don't because yeah, the the opening thing is this this poor man of color being chased by these uh, 
uh, uh, shaved-headed uh, dudes in white. Like, oh, mm-hmm. boy. Now, yeah. I, I, were skinheads a thing at this point? That's the thing. I'm pretty sure they were a thing know. at that point, yeah. I'm not sure. Definitely, definitely by, like, the mid-'80s, certainly. <laughs> okay. I thought they splintered off from punk, but I again, I don't know what I'm I'm talking about at all. Yeah, I, right. I, like, yeah. All right. Anything else? Uh, I think that's everything. All right. You got a quote? I know originally your quote was going to be uh, George Costanza's answering machine. Yeah, and, but then this great line appears in the episode. No, don't do that. That's my best pistola. What's the matter with you? Yeah, that was. I I noted that as a well. pistola. Yeah, seriously. Did he say pistola? Well, there's no way I'm not using this. He sure did. Uh-huh. No, that guy was that guy was terrible. Oh, he's the worst. And at the end, he's like, hey, I don't want you to think I'm getting sappy or anything, but you did a good job. He's like, no homo, but I now I'm complimenting you. Like, uh-huh. you're so worried about that that you can't even say a one nice thing about a dude, huh? Wow. Yeah. Just It's real bad. Wow. Yeah. Ugh. Well. Not, not a fan. Well. We, I washed my hands of this. We're, we are yeah. now done with this. Yep. Thanks, Jason. Yeah. Hey, he paid his money. Like, that's, and, and look, there, there is definitely a segment of our audience that likes us to suffer. I know this for a fact. They've said those, right, those words right to us. Mm-hmm. If you want that, you can put up money and you can make us watch something you think we'll hate. There, there is a price. We do have a price. Yep. It's it, it, it's twenty I don't bucks think it's a month anymore, but uh, it's twenty bucks a month is a steep price. Uh huh. But it is it is it is a price, and we will do it. Mm-hmm. So bear that in mind. Uh, can't be uh, deadly games though. No. And we have to be able to find it. But but and you can it can't do that. Be over an hour. Yeah yeah we're done. We're this, this is anymore. it. We're we're done. I I said that before, and uh, I I made an exception for Jason because again we've known Jason since forever. Yeah. It's like okay fine. I'm not gonna watch half of of a story. Like let's let's do the whole thing. Mm-hmm. But yeah, now we are done doing that. Yeah. Uh, but if you if you want us to do that, uh, patreon.com slash Algar, you absolutely can. Or you can uh, uh, donate less and get the show early or uh, uh, have a look at our show notes. Like there's mm-hmm. there's there's interesting things there for you. Yeah. Uh, but we are through the initial stack of them. And I am excited because um, the way we're going to do this is we're going to alternate decades. We're going to do 60s, yes. 70s, 80s and so forth. And we're going to take turns. So first up is Matt choosing the 60s so matt i am excited why don't you tell us and the listeners what we are reviewing next week uh next week we will be watching let me pull up the actual name of it Mm -hmm. uh thriller uh boris karloff's thriller from the 60s the episode is pigeons from hell Uh uh-huh uh it's on youtube i'll provide the link so you can put it in the show notes for people who want to check it out uh no i'm not doing that Put it on your Twitter or something. Fair enough. I hate doing show notes. And, yeah, check it out. I think, if that's the one I'm thinking of, I think it's also on Prime, actually. It might be, actually. Yeah, we'll we'll let you guys know for sure at the top of the show next week, so you can, if you want to watch along with us, you can. All right. Um, uh, let's see. Our website, as ever, postatomichorror.com. Our email address, postatomichorror at gmail. Uh, if if uh, you want to follow us on Twitter, it is at Algar, at RobotMatt. Uh, oh, if you want to check out our, our Trek uh, fanfic project, Endeavor, uh, episode four is available now for our generous Patreon donors. Mm-hmm. Uh, it will be available to the general public on June 1st. Uh, yep. New episodes drop on the first of the month. We're very excited it came together very well, and we are, as soon as we're finished recording this, going to start uh, uh, putting the final touches on the script for number five. We are yeah still very much excited about this project, and we very much would like you to check it out. Yeah. 
Uh, and sometime in the distant future, we will start reviewing the Picard show, which now has a teaser. Uh-huh. But but not a release date, because why, why would you do that? Why would yeah, CBS well, throw us anything ever? Yeah. But at some point, we will be done watching things that aren't Star Trek, and we will be getting back on track. And we'll have more news about that when we have more news about when that. When we know anything about it. Yes. At all. Uh, but until then, next week, uh, Thriller from the 60s. So looking forward yep. to that, and uh, we'll, we'll be back then. Yep. See you, folks. The Post-Atomic Greatest American Hero podcast is a co-production of Ron Watt and Matt Robotham. Copyright 2019. Please don't sue us, we're just doing this until Star Trek comes back. <laughs>